first, I'd like to thank everybody here for supporting me. There ain't many churches out here that has this many people that gets behind one person. But I know all of y'all are. As he said, I was underneath the wind, well, a little underneath the weather here, and I went to the doctor today, and they said I had walk pneumonia. So I'm gonna try my best. But anyway, before I get started, I just want to give a shout out for the school we actually got here. I mean, I've been down working with the kids on Wednesdays and last Sunday, and we have kids like Logan. That's all very questioning the teacher on. We're going over Joseph, and he was questioning what the dreams of Pharaoh was. He already knew him. He just questioned the teacher, see if he knew him. And I was like, wow. And then we had Adam over here. Tuesday, he stunned me because he actually knew there was more than one Pharaoh, uh, Herod in the Bible. And I wasn't prepared for that, so I just started stumbling over my own words. But there ain't too many kids that actually knows that type of stuff. But they're actually getting an education in it, which is awesome. So that's my little up for this, as far as I see in the school that we have here. But anyway, my message for tonight, since we, it is Palm Sunday and we just went over that this morning, I like to go through the steps to the cross. And I'm messages the last steps. And let me just pray real quick then. I'll get going. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity you have given me to speak in front of everybody. And Lord, just use me as your vessel to get your word out. I know without you, I'm nothing. And Lord, please let this message bless everybody in your name. Amen. Well, what's already happened already is we already had the last, the last supper's finished. The devil has entered Judas. So Judas is left good to tell the chief priest where Jesus is. Now the chief priest is sending his soldiers out to capture Jesus. So Jesus right now, with three other disciples, is in the garden. Just so he can pray. The three disciples that goes with them is Peter, James, and John. And Jesus now has a heavy heart. Because he knows what's about ready to happen to him. And he knows his earthly body is about ready to be destroyed. And we can see this in Mark 14, 34 through 38. And the Bible says, And saith unto them, My soul is exceeded sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. This one verse right here is the only place I see in the Bible where Jesus actually asked for help. He asked the three disciples to, to take watch and guard while he goes praise. Let's keep going. And he went forward a little and fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass front from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will but thou wilt. We can see that Jesus really, he knew it had to be done, but he still didn't want to go through it. And this is the first time we ever see Jesus pray like this. And the Bible says that 
while he was praying, that crimson fell from his eyes. Which just means that he had blood coming out of his eyes while he was praying. His blood pressure didn't build up so much that it popped the blood vessels behind, behind his eyes. And in some ways, this can happen today, but it's not during prayer. Trauma victims has this happen to them, where the blood vessels pop behind their skin, and the blood comes out of your pores and your sweat glands or any spot that they can come out of. And they say it's very painful. So Jesus, Jesus at this time had to be in a lot of pain because the blood vessels don't pop behind his eyes and blood was coming out. And he was praying this hard. We have a hard time praying for 10 minutes. More or less pray to your blood vessels pop. And if we go to the next step, I see is a step of betrayal. Judas has sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which today's time isn't that much money. A gram of silver today is about 47 cents. And they said that these pieces of silver weighed about 14 grams. So if you add it all up, it'd be somewhere around $185 to $216 in silver. Well, guess what? That's about a couple of tanks of gas. It ain't that, I mean, he got betrayed for a couple of tanks of gas. That's what. Now, Judas is now at Gethsemane, and he's not alone. The Roman soldiers are with him. And you know how many Roman soldiers are actually with him? And I'm, this is my guess, is about 300 to 600 Roman soldiers with him. And these ain't just ordinary soldiers. These would be like the 101st Airborne or the Navy SEALs coming with them. They're well trained. And think about it. You have all these people come after one person. That shows you how much power Jesus actually had. And we'll see this in John 18, 3 through 6. And the Bible says, Judas, then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, coming thither and with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Who seek ye? They answered with, with him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Jesus also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backwards and fell to the ground. As soon as he said, I am he, he had enough power that three to six hundred men fell over. That's power. That's more power than what any of us could ever imagine. The strongest soldiers ever come to you, and they, he just says, I am he, and they fall over. But let's think about this. If this was us in Jesus' shoes, would we actually sit there and say, I am he? If it was me, I'd be going, well, I don't, I don't know who he is. Or I'd be going, he went that way. Because <laughs> I don't want to get trapped by soldiers, but Jesus stood his ground. Even, I was, like I said, we probably wouldn't. And Jesus knew what was about ready to happen. But this is another good example. The devil knew how strong Jesus actually was. 
He knew he was the son of God. He knew he wasn't going to betray his father. And he knew he couldn't get him to follow him. So instead of the devil trying to persuade Jesus to follow him, he just got the people against him. So the next steps I'm going to go through is the steps in the trials. We're not going to go through the Bible and all these because there's a lot of steps. There's a lot of trials. There's actually six trials that happens within, I'm going to say, about 48 hours. The first ones I'm going to go through is the religious trials. The first religious trial is a trial before Annas. And Annas was a wicked old politician, I mean political boss of Jerusalem, who has been in control of the priesthood. There is no other witnesses at this time while in trial with Annas. Jesus was asked two questions during this trial. First one he ignored. And he was basically asking about Jesus' disciples. And Jesus was still protecting his disciples even though they betrayed him. And the other question they asked was that, was he the true son of God? Which Jesus said he was a true son of God. Which then automatically said he was he was um, accused of blasphemy. Then we'll go to the second trial. It was a trial before um, Caiaphas. He was a he was the reign, reigning high priest at this time. At this time, you gotta realize it's pretty late in, in in night, probably early in the morning. But the sun still ain't came up. And right now, he has a committee by the Sanhedrins, the chief witness of Judas is not there. So there's two witnesses that ain't even there. So they got to bring in false witnesses to try to persecute Jesus. So the first witness is well, the two false witnesses um, they believe their word over Jesus, which he didn't lie about it. He did say that he was going to rip the, te- the um, veil in the temple will rip from top to bottom, and he could rebuild it within three days. But he wasn't talking about the actual temple. He was talking about his body. Then we'll go to the third religious trial, which was a trial before the, the, um, the Sanhedrin's. The priest quickly passed down the trial to the larger assembly. Which made this, this sentence, they, this fake sentence they bring up against Jesus somewhat legal. This trial was held around daybreak. So we got to realize that Jesus has been praying all night. Now he's in three trials before, before sunrise. And they went right into asking him questions. And they asked him, if you are the Christ, tell us. With the entire court there to hear, um, but I'm sorry, I just lost my place. With the entire court to hear, Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I ask a question, 
you will not answer. But the Son of Man will be seated, the right hand of power of God. And Jesus is telling them that even though that they're going to charge him for blasphemy, he already knows this. He's still the Son of God. No matter what they do to him, he's still going to be the Son of God. So now since... Now we go to the other trials they have to go through, which is the civil trials. By this time, they bring Jesus to Pilate, his courtyard. Jesus, by now, would have been really dehydrated and exhausted. Think about how long he's been up. He was just praying so hard that the blood vessels popped in his head and his eyes. He just went through three trials overnight. You know they didn't give him their water or nothing. So he's got to be completely exhausted. Now he's got three more trials to go through. So the first trial is a trial with Pilate. Right after this trial, Jesus is given, which Pilate found, says he finds no wrong in Jesus. So now Jesus is given to the, the Roman court. And Jesus is actually found innocent. And they had no reason to put Jesus to death. Now they're going to the second trial. And the second trial is the trial with Herod. So Jesus is now sent to Herod, and because of political reasons, and because there's a lot of people who are mad at him for beheading John the Baptist, and Jesus is somewhat pop, as a popular figure at this point, Herod don't want to do nothing with him because he's afraid he's going to mess up his image. So what does Herod do? He sends him right back to Pilate. So the third trial in the, in the civil trials is the second trial with Pilate. Pilate believes that Jesus is innocent. He says it. And trying to save Jesus from being crucified and to please the priest, he sends Jesus to be scourged. The Roman scourge is, is, a, is one of the messed up weapons ever. They had a, the whip of seven cattails. Which is cat? Which these cattails have pieces of metal, glass, pe um, anything that's sharp, bit it into them. And what it was designed to do, it was designed when they whip when they when they whipped you with it. It was designed to rip flesh, tear muscles, and break bones. And a lot of people says that the average man would only would only be conscious for about one or two minutes. So you know how rough this was. And most people died from the infection with it. But the people there still wasn't happy. They want Jesus crucified. So the final attempt that Pilate had to keep Jesus from being crucified, he tried to give them Barnabas, who was a true criminal that deserved death, instead of having Jesus. But the crowd still wanted Barnabas over Jesus. So he had to release Barnabas to the, 
to the crowd. And guess what? Barnabas is a great illustration of us. We all deserve death. Every single one of us. But Jesus took our place instead. So now we're going back to the steps to Calvary. Jesus' physical human body right now is, is worn out. Within a couple of days, he's done been betrayed. He done been beaten with a whip. He probably has bones and everything else broken his back. Probably got muscle ripped out. He's dehydrated because it's it's been about I don't know about twenty about a day or so before he even had water. He's got to be wore out. Now they're telling him that. He's being crucified and he's got to carry his cross to Calvary. And we can actually see this. We're actually going to read a lot right now. Going to Mark 15, 7 through 39. We're actually going to read the, um, the process of Jesus going to Calvary and what happened. And we got to realize that being crucified is probably the most inhumane way to die. It's the most torturous way to go. So Mark 15, we're going to go to 17 to 39. And the Bible says, And they clothed him with, a, with purple, and plaited on a crown of thorns, and put it about his head. And began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him in the, on the head with a reed, and did spit upon him. And bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they mocked him, they took the purple from him, put his own clothes on him, and let him out to be crucify him. Guess what? All these people that's mocking them and just making fun of them. It's kind of like us, ain't it? Before we got saved. Because we were basically doing the same thing. All right, let's keep going. 24. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, whatever man should take. And it was on the third hour they crucified him. And the superscription of the accusations was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, one on his right hand, the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which has said it, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on them, wagging their heads, and saying, Ah, thou that dearest the, the temple, and buildest it back in three days, save thyself, and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking said among themselves, 
with the scribes, he save others, himself he cannot save? Let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him revealed him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthina, which was being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran out, filled a sponge full of vinegar, and put it to the reed, and gave him the drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice, and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom. And the satyrion, which stood over against him, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost. He said, truly, this man was the son of God. Now, while I was sitting over at the um, went to get, be seen, I actually wrote down what I thought crucifixion was like which I did on my phone. So we imagine this. Jesus is up on Calvary. But how high do you really think the cross he would be off the ground? It's probably about three feet off the ground. Just so you can spit and mock him. And before this, Jesus was just about dead from being whipped and they throw this purple robe on just to mock him and you gotta realize he was probably bleeding when they threw his robe on him and he probably had, had flesh hanging muscles out probably ribs broken and everything else because of this weapon because of this beating he had and most likely when they put that robe on the blood clot around it so when they ripped it off put his other clothes back on it probably opened them all back up well, anyway, he gets to, um, his physical body can't even um, carry the cross over to Calvary. So guess what? The Romans had to pick up, we'll get a person out of the um, crowd, which was Simon. Not the disciple, it was just a guy named Simon. To carry his cross for him. When they get up on top of the hill of Calvary, just the way I'm seeing it, and this ain't what the Bible actually says, this is the way I see it. They probably just throw Jesus on the ground, rip his clothes off, start, it takes one, one of the Roman soldiers, grab one hand, and another one takes a nail and a hammer and drives it through his hand. And the nails were actually put in a certain spot to hit a nerve. And this nerve went all the way through your body. So it all made, made this excruciating pain going all the way through. And they do it to the other side. Then they, nail, then they put his feet together and nail it. Nail him to the cross. 
But you know why the Romans actually nailed their feet to the cross? It was actually more of a torture punishment because if they just let them hang, they'd be dead quicker. In about three hours, they would be dead because they would suffocate. But they put a nail through your feet. You could pick yourself up, get air. It was more of a torture punishment more than anything. Because your last will that God gave everybody is a will survive. So now they put them up about three feet off the ground. Everybody's mocking them. Ask them if he could save everybody else. Why can't he save himself? But there's one thing that you got to realize. He could come off that cross anytime he wanted to. He could say, I'm done with y'all. But he didn't. Because if you think about it, He's thinking about me at that time. He's saying 2,000 years from now, there's going to be someone that's worthless, just a wretched sinner that needs me. And that's actually every one of us. He was thinking about us at that time. So there he is on the cross, and one thief on one side is yelling and cussing and carrying on with the crowd, and the other one's realizing that he's the actual son of God. And ask them to remember him in glory. So you got to realize, Jesus had to pick himself back up with a nail through his feet just to tell him that he remember him in glory. Which he did. And you got to realize, every time you picked yourself up, that nail had to rip through your feet even more. Which brought even more pain. And you also got to realize that Jesus lost a lot of blood just from the beating he got. So the blood that was actually pumping through his veins right now was probably thickened up. It was even it was probably a pain just to get that pump get that blood to pump through because when you lose a lot of blood, it actually clumps up. So here he is, and he finally yells out and dies. And the tail and the veil of the temple is ripped. The um, Tyrion actually realized that they that they messed up big time because the sky went dark during the middle of the day, and then they and one part in Matthew's it actually tells you that the dead came out of the graves and walked around. And the weird thing is, if the dead walked up at came out of the graves and start walking, if someone died. I think I would start believing that some of the stuff that he was telling me actually was real. Because there ain't no one else that ever died that the dead came out of the ground. I mean, could you just imagine that some old king starts walking by just a corpse and half his skeleton hanging out? But that ain't the main part that we know. That's the main reason why we know that Jesus was a God. They put a spear through him and water came out because he was out of blood. They put him in a in a tomb, and this is how we know he's God, because in three days he risen. Any man can die. It takes a God to raise himself from the dead. And the reason why he did it, for every single one of us. Just so we could, if we accept this free gift, we have eternal life with him. We don't deserve it. He didn't deserve the death that he took. But I thank God that I am covered by the blood. Well, anyway, I'm going to pray and get you to close. Dear Lord, thank you for this 
opportunity. And thank you for this wonderful day. And Lord, please let this message be a blessing to them and anybody that hears it. In your name, amen. Thank you.